What's your story, honey? Come tell it on Kitty Pink Radio, where black media matters. Meow. It's your Auntie Kitty. And um, I want to take the time out to explain what we're going to be doing with our episodes of Locked and Loaded all April. Um, as you all know, I have a son who is on the autism spectrum and um, we make a really big deal about the month of April because the month of April is Autism Awareness Month. I'm asking everyone, if you can and will, rock it out and wear blue all month long. Um, and not just that, I want everybody to be teachable. Um, autism Speaks. And I want to share with you all what autism looks like. Make sure you're following my baby boy. He got his own Instagram page where we are promoting autism 365 24-7. And that is Walk With King. Um, he's very funny. Um, he He's, <clears throat> he's very, um, how can I put this? Rambunctious. And um, he allows us an inside of his little 11 year old brain and we get to view the world through his eyes and honestly y'all it's the most beautiful experience ever i want y'all to be a part of part of it so go follow king um and um yeah all month long every tuesday i'm bringing you somebody who is working on one end or both ends of the spectrum Shout out to all my ASD moms, dads, grandparents, sisters, brothers, cousins, therapists, psychiatrists, doctors, everybody who is a bit of oil in keeping this machine going. Y'all continue to fight for King. And um, I love you. I want you to love yourself. Okay, I'm through talking. Let's get to the show. Which one is it? No, purple circle. Uh oh. Uh oh. Now King is mad. Uh oh. Look, King. Look, King. No, no. Look at you. Come here. Sit down. You're mad. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Uh oh. Look in the mirror. He a mad. Ooh. That's not how you express your anger. It is possible. It's a big no-no, too. Where's the purple circle? Where's the purple circle? King? Where's the purple circle? Where's the purple circle? Purple circle. Find it. Which one? 
purple circle. Which one is it? No. Sit down. Sit down. That is not how you get the... No, baby. That's not, not how none of this works. Sit down. <laughs> and calm your attitude. Calm your attitude. Because I don't care about you being mad. I can get mad, too. Now, calm yourself down. Where's the purple circle? Put it in there. Find it. Find it, King. Sit down. Find it. Which one is it? Yes. Good job. Where's the... Yeah, so, like, people think growing up is over with after 18, and they have no idea. No, bitch, I have to deal with what happened to me in the first decade of that time. And I think that's how I ended up on so many goddamn couches telling people all my business. And I'm going to tell you like this. It really hit home when my child got diagnosed with autism. I, I basically had to teach my baby how to communicate. And I learned how important communication is. And not only is communication just talking, being able to talk, but it's also being able to understand, being able to comprehend. So, yeah, that's the podcast. <laughs> that's it. Nothing more. Nothing less. You can hear the crowd sing along Everybody know my songs Had the crowd learn to walk Country girls, small town 14 years dedicated Look, ma, I finally made it Never thought I'd ever say it But today I live my dreams Body buzz is getting me Crazy fans loud screaming Flashing lights on every scene Autographs, got the picture signs That say we love you, kitty Superstar, my new status Fantasizing, please don't wake me Let me finish with this dream Hola, it's another Tuesday, another 6 p.m., and you are locked and loaded to Kitty Pink Radio. I am your host, Kitty Pink. Um, as you all know, I am a ASD mom. I don't think I can scream that loud enough on this podcast. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, I've shared the good, the bad, the ugly with you all. You all know that April is the uh, is Autism Awareness Month. Y'all know that I go pretty hard this month. As a matter of fact, I'd like to remind everybody that King is having um, King is having his little uh, campaign. He, you know, every year around this time we sell bracelets as well as ribbons. Um, if you buy a bracelet, the ribbon comes with the bracelet, and if you just like a ribbon. Of course, the ribbon, you can buy the, you can purchase the ribbon on your own. All this month, we'll be um, having guests who either work in the industry or either are parents or caretakers. Um, everybody that makes this community what it is, I want to share them with you, and I definitely want to highlight them. Um, a lot of you have been following me for the past, ooh, it's been a while, um, it's been nine years. <laughs> I forgot. I've been advocating so long, I don't forget. But um, a lot of you have been um, following us since the beginning of time, since King's diagnosis, since the first day that I realized something was going on with him. And um, 
I just want to make sure that you guys are still aware that um, we're still here 365. They only give us 31 days, but we are going through this 365. And there are a lot of awesome people who help us with the um, with the rotation of our lives. And today I have one with me. Um, this right here is someone who is very, very important to Kings uh, every week, honestly. Um, she spent a lot of time with him. Not only has she spent time with him, I always brag to you guys about everybody that is a part of Team fight for king and i get to share one of those special people with you today this is king's ot her name is kayla kayla i just um just want to give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself kind of tell us about you yes hi everybody my name is kayla i'm an occupational therapist um currently i work with kids from six years old all the way up to adults um, into their 20s, 30s. Um, so I have a pretty wide range of people that I see day to day. Um, right now I go into people's homes for the most parts or anywhere in their natural environment. Um, and in OT, we're working on helping people become more independent in their daily life um, to do these things more safely um, and to get them learning strategies um, to help them express themselves and communicate um, and really just get people more engaged in their community. Awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome. So my question, everybody's question would be, um, what what makes somebody want to be a part of this industry? It is very tiring. It does not pay as well as it should. Um, what 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 made you want to be the the instrument to help people? Um, it started really young. My mom has always been a nurse, so I think she always instilled that caring um, aspect of things and working with people. Um, she's worked in so many different settings, so um, she always has little tidbits of information, things to do, what not to do, um, and she always just had us involved in our community. Um, from a young age, we were involved in, you know, working in Special Olympics, um, volunteering certain places, um, just trying to give back to the community, and so as I went to school and some of these opportunities were offered in school, whether it was uh, peer mentoring or being a peer buddy. Um, and all the way back in elementary school, I was just thinking about that last night, kind of my first real one-on-one -on -one, um, interactions with kids with disabilities. These are some of my peers. Um, and I was thinking about them last night that just, I think it started there, just meeting some of these kids, meeting some of these families, even super young. And I just always knew that I wanted to help. Um, and by the time that I got to high school, I knew I did not want to be a nurse after hearing all those stories. Um, I knew that I did not want to be a teacher. So I just started listening and researching and trying to figure out, you know, who else comes in contact with these kids and these families. Um, and I stumbled upon OT. I started learning about it. Um, and from probably my freshman year in high school, I became super passionate about OT. 
Um, I just started learning. I'm always researching. Um, so I just put, put my pen to paper, started researching, looked into schools, um, and tried to figure out how, how to get it done. And it really has kind of worked out everything that I learned about it from back then. Um, most of it is true and most of it I love. So um, I've been really, you know, blessed that I still am super passionate about what I do. Right, right. Because I tell you all the time, like, we need more people like you because not everybody loves their job. A lot of people think, oh, it's going to be some easy money. And a lot of people, they get into it. And basically, they realize the books aren't going to actually help them with what they're going to have on their hands. Um, there's another thing about you that I love. I watch you with the children, and it's as if they're your own. You really, really, like, love our babies. Um, <laughs> you love our babies like we love our like we love our babies. And, like, I, I, that had to be instilled in you. Mommy had to instill that in you because not a lot of people are... Um, I guess I could say tolerant, yeah, for lack of better words. Like, how how do you explain your patience? Because I'm a parent. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I just be like, Lord, take me now. Oh. So, like, um, it, describe describe your patience. Because I've, I've sit back and I've watched you, and it's like you do it effortlessly. And it's like. Do you ever get tired? Do you ever get <laughs> aggravated? Because I've, I've seen you in action. And, like, it's just, it's, it's something to see. It, it's, it's something that every parent wants to see when, when they realize I'm trusting someone with my baby. So kind of give us, like, how do you stay patient? Um, so to answer the, the question in there about do I get frustrated every day, probably every session, you know, there's something that is frustrating. Of course, you know, I, I want to help. And so every little thing that I bring to sessions, I hope, you know, is a game changer is a big help. Um, and because I get so, you know, invested with these kids, like you said, anybody that's worked with me, any of the families, they know I call all my kids, my kids, as if they're my own. <laughs> I love them. And I'm always thinking about them, you know, trying to figure out how I can best help them. Um, and so that kind of carries over into my session. So I try to be really, you know, diligent in what I bring to the sessions. I wish I could work with all of my kids, you know, every day for multiple hours a day. Um, but you know, in my current role, I get one hour a week. Um, and so when I show up, I know that that's all the time that I have. And, you know, one hour is longer than you get in some settings. Um, being hands on is more than you get in some settings. So I am really, you know, lucky that I get that time, but I know when I get there that I have to be productive for those 60 minutes. Um, and so during the sessions, you know, when something doesn't work out, I just try to, I really try to put, you know, myself in the shoes of the person that I'm working with. Um, and again, I think that's really come from, um, you know, my mom is a big like empath. She feels for other people. I think sometimes more than she feels for herself. Um, and so she's always kind of showed us that, you know, think about what they're 
going through, think about what they could be thinking about and feeling. Um, so during my sessions, I just try to think about all of these things. You know, we get a long history about the people that we work with, all the things that they've been through. Um, and then you look at that paper and you know that, that that's not the whole story. You right. know, that's not everything. So, you know, there's always things that everybody's going through that we don't know about. Um, so I just try to be patient with them. And then I think about, you know, how often people aren't patient with them. Mm -hmm. And so I really work to overcompensate for that. Um, I want all of my people that I work with to feel comfortable with me, to know that I'm going to keep showing up every single week, um, pretty much no matter what happens during that session. Um, I've had some, you know, pretty interesting sessions as far as aggression, as far as throwing things, as far as them getting mad at me. You know, I push my, the people that I work with very Mm -hmm. hard. So I expect the pushback, I think too, is part of it. I go in knowing, you know, they're probably not going to be happy with me asking to do things that are hard, um, asking to do things that maybe nobody else asked them to do. Um, so I think that helps me to kind of think about it. I try to, and for me, I drive to people's homes. So in the car, a lot of times I'm thinking about it, like, okay, what are we doing today? What do I think is going to go well? What do I think is not going to go well? And usually I have a pretty good idea, um, of how that'll go. So that, that really, and it, it just comes from a place of, of caring. Like, I, like I said, I, and I can't, uh, I don't think I can put into words how I, you know, I just love these kids and I love the families that I work with. Um, And I think about my own family and friends and how I would want somebody to treat them. Um, And so that's what I, that's what I try to do every day. Um, So that, that's the the root of it. I think. That's, and that's like, I really, I, I, I watch you. I don't say much, but I watch you like a hawk and I just, um, even when um, King, as I, y'all seen in that video earlier at times, King can be, he can definitely be a work. <laughs> he can definitely, you know, be, he can push back like she was saying. Um, but uh, even when he's like that with her, y'all, she stays here. She doesn't just give up and leave. You know, uh, many of times I've told y'all about my, my struggles with the school and how I feel like they just want to give up on him instead of actually pushing him and working with him. And not just that, I've expressed to you guys how his my mama, his uncles, and everybody else that's, that's around us, that's babying him, they don't understand why I'm so tough with him. They feel like I should be soft or whatever, but no, it has a lot to do with my consistency because i mean if i if i just let king have his way every time he's going to know all i gotta do pretty much with kayla too all i gotta do is scream and cry and throw a fit and throw myself on the floor and hit myself and they're gonna comply and so that's something else that i commend kayla on um what are some of the things that um how long have you been working in this particular field? I know you were working in a nursing home beforehand. This is your first, second year? Yes, this will be my second year um, in the field as an OT. Um, I just came up on my one-year um, anniversary in, this, in my current role. Right. Um, I worked um, a contract for a couple of months 
in the heat of COVID in a nursing home. Right. Um, and prior to, I did um, clinical rotations in a hospital. Um, I did a rotation in an inpatient rehab setting, all with adults. Um, I thought that I wanted to work with adults. Um, I was about to ask, <laughs> is it harder with adults or, or would you say it's harder with the, the kids? I think it it really takes trying it um, because I went through school. Um, I will say that my program in particular, I felt was geared a lot towards pediatrics. Um, a lot of my classmates wanted to go into pediatrics. And so I think they, you know, heavily focused on that. It's a big setting for us. Um, and I went to school thinking, no way, I don't want to work with kids. I love working with kids. I, you know, I was a, like I was saying, a peer mentor, a peer buddy. I was a care and respite attendant all through school. Um, and so I didn't want it to become work. And so I thought, you know, I don't want to, don't want to work with kids. I'm not doing it. Um, so I did no rotations with kids. I kind of blocked some of that out, you know. In school, because I just thought, I'm, I know I'm not doing this. Right. And then I went to my clinical rotations. They were they were okay. You know, I, I liked them. Um, it's a lot different doing it in school when you're doing these things for a grade. Um, you don't get to enjoy it as much. Right. But, you know, I enjoyed the hospital. I enjoyed rehab. But, you know, nursing homes are the other huge, huge setting for us. Yeah. So I came out thinking that's probably where I'll go. Um, and it, you know, it was okay. I didn't, um, it had its days just like, I think every job. Um, but it's a, it's not just OTs and it's not just nursing homes. I think the healthcare field, the helping fields right now are just going through it in terms of, you know, what's required and what they ask of you. So I think in every setting, you know, we're feeling the heat, but I just, I ended my contract. I didn't know really what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. Um, I had moved to Texas on a whim. So I had a lot of push from my family to go back home. Um, and I stumbled across this job and I thought, you know, this sounds like exactly what I want to do. Right. Um, and it was just, you know, right time, right place. Just truly a blessing. I, you know, I just not just on your behalf, but you've been a blessing to me and my son. Um, y'all know I be going through it. I talk about it all the time on my podcast. The 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 struggles of being an ASD mom and a single ASD mom, but there are people who come into our lives, and I just feel like it was all destined. You were supposed to come to Texas and by the grace of God, we were one of your first families, and, you know, I, I hope I hope we did just, we, we did, <laughs> you know, I hope we ain't scared you out for nothing like that yet, but um, my son absolutely adores you, he loves you. Um, the reason I brought up the question about how long you've been working in this field, period, was um, I wanted to ask you a question. What's one of the things that you, if you could change single-handedly, what would you say it would be? About the field? Yes. Um, in a perfect world, you know, we would be able to use our judgment and use all of that schooling and money that we paid, you know, and right. time that we offered to, you know, use our judgment to 
see people how we best see fit um, for as long as we see fit. Um, and to be able to help as much as I think we can. Um, but there's, you know, limitations in terms of um, billing, there's limitations in terms of insurance and how long you're able to see people and how many times a week. Um, so that can be tough and that can be tiring um, when, and you know, and this is kind of speaking as a whole because my current position, I have a lot of flexibility right. um, and a lot more um, autonomy to kind of say, this is what I think is best. And they say, okay. Um, but in a lot of other places, it's not like that. And I know that a lot of, you know, burnout comes from that because most people, I think, that come into these fields, they want to help. Um, and so we put a lot of time and effort in and sometimes we don't get to really put it all into production. Um, so that's what that would be the biggest thing that I would change is that we could just, you know, say, I want to see this person three times a week for two hours and work on these things. Um, and, you know, there's no pressure of you've got to see 25 people or 30 people and you've got to meet these percentages, um, which I know they're there for good reason. You know, they don't want people just seeing one person for 40 hours a week or not doing what they're supposed to do. Um, but I know that that is a big um, issue right now is kind of the numbers game, pushing a lot of numbers um, trying to get the highest rates and money and things like that, which we don't have a lot of hand in, mm -hmm. but we do then kind of have to follow it, you know, on right. the back end. Right. So let's say, um, us, just the civilians out here who aren't working in that field, is there anything that we could do to maybe even push that narrative? I know that, it, you know, there's a lot of advocacy um, that goes on in, within the profession, um, advocating to our, you know, the AOTA um, is our Occupational Therapy Association um, for the United States. Um, we've also got the NBCOT, that's the, uh, the board that certifies all of us. Um, and so there is, there are ways to advocate. I, I know within the profession, um, I'm not entirely sure um, outside of the profession. I'm sure, you know, all, writing letters and all of those things could, you know, go to work. But I know there, it, it's tough um, to go up against these, you know, insurance companies and the industry, you know, it, yeah. it's tough to go up against them. Um, there have been some changes um, in years past that take a long time. So it's, it's really just, um, you know, going to these boards, you know, coming from, I think, you know, calling your representatives, voting, all of those things, because right. we, we have both, you know, federal laws that we abide by and also state laws. Um, so it really does come all the way down to a local level of, you know, thinking about the big issues and then also thinking about things like this, you know, about health care, about those serving the community, um, because all of those things that get put into place eventually do affect us. Um, we had recent changes um, within the last couple of years that kind of changed billing rates and how things, how minutes and hours and things were kind of dished out. 
Um, and that was probably a couple couple of years ago, and it's still kind of affecting, um, I know, the profession as a whole. Um, so it's really just those those little things that sometimes are hard because it doesn't feel like things are happening, you know, just yet. But they do eventually. Somebody, I think, will listen eventually. Yeah, I hear it from the mouth of a professional themselves. Let's let's help these babies. Let's get on top of it. Let's do what we can do on the outside. My next question is a lot of parents, I tell parents all the time that um, in the school therapies are just important, just as important as the outside therapies. Matter of fact, me personally, I feel like the outside therapies are more effective. Can you tell those parents that are looking today that may have just, you know, stepped into this, what's the difference between outside therapy versus um, school therapy? Um, I'm a little bit biased because I work in the community. So I think that (laughs) working in the community is very important. But I I do, I love my school therapists because they um, are a lot of times willing to work with community therapists um, so everybody can kind of be on the same page. Um, In school, I know that for the most part, they work particularly on skills um, for educational or academic success. Um, So you're going to get for OTs, those things like writing skills. Um, emotional regulation skills, mainly towards being able to sit, you know, in a seat for an extended period of time and do your work. Um, So we're talking mostly skills that directly are going to affect academics. Um, And we know that while the kids do spend, you know, a good part of their time at school, that's not the only place that they spend their time. Um, So while some of these things that they work on in school might um, affect what's going on at home or outside of school, um, I'm a big, you know, advocate for therapies in the natural environment. So I think they're great supplements to each other because, you know, these kids, they do need support at school, but I think they also need support at home. At home as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know the challenges a lot of times carry over across environments. Yes. Um, for the most part, it's not just the kid that's going to school and having trouble. A lot of times if they're having trouble at school, they're having trouble at home too and in right. other environments. Right. Um, so I love being able to come into the home, observe the natural environment. Um, I go to school. I do go to school sometimes if that's where they're struggling because that's another thing is we know that kids – a lot of times age out of these services. They don't right. always get the services for yes. years and years. You don't see a lot of kids in school OT up until, you know, middle school and right. high school um, because they've aged out of writing skills at yeah. that point. They've aged out of sitting in their seat at that point. So, you know, it's, they kind of stop there. So in the community, we do get a little bit more, um, leeway and what we're able to help with. And that's how I'm able to um, see kid, older kids and even adults. Um, because just because, you know, they're, they can write their name now or can't, um, because some kids, they age out and they haven't even met those goals, you know. Um, but I can kind of help with some of those latter skills that we need all the time. 
Right. Um, so both are important. You know something that aggrav that that aggravates me because I've um I've talked to several parents and that's something that they're facing now that their children are getting older. Um, um, the whole aging out situation. I feel like if it's on paper that you're saying that they have the mentality of a toddler or you know a a, a ten year old or whatever, there shouldn't be a limit. <laughs> they the, the the help should always be there. It's just it's almost like you tell somebody I'm gonna get you all the way to Chicago, and you get them at the very the 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 state line and just drop them off and leave them there. That that's what it is. For lack of me being able to explain it any other way, that's that's what it feels like to me. You get them to a certain point and you leave them there. That's also something that I I think that we should all get together and advocate for it. I, I do not feel like they should be aging out. Those children still deserve the, the insurance, the therapies, all of that stuff. And then not just that, by that time, we all know that you have to keep autistic kids or any of those kids that are on, on the spectrum, Down syndrome, any type of special disabilities, you have to keep them in routine of certain things and they're looking forward to that on a daily basis so whenever you uproot them and just snatch them out of those programs that they love like i mean like kayla's saying it's almost like those kids are hers and they and i feel like the kids feel like she's theirs as well so like just snatching them out of that environment is just so cruel and i hope that this show crosses somebody who has the power to do something about its disc because you know it's just it's not right um my next question is what would you tell someone who'd like to be a part of this industry just getting into it what advice would you give them uh, my advice would be to uh, volunteer or shadow in a place with an ot um, or something similar um, even just starting out you know in a classroom with kids with special needs or whichever setting that you're planning on getting into um shadow there get your feet in there see it um because these jobs look a lot different on paper um than they do in real life um, you know they don't even in school they don't tell you all of the you know nitty gritty things and you know they they be they're as transparent as they can be i think for the most part um, but it's impossible to know all of the little things until you get in there. Um, do your research on schools. Um, find the best route to get to school without taking out as much money as you have to. Right. Um, a lot of these jobs, they want the degree. They don't really look at the school um, as much. So I would say, you know, do your research on affordable schools. Um, that don't put you into a lot of debt. There's ways to do it. Um, do the schools want you to know that? I don't know. No, no. Of course not. I, I won't point the finger, but they, you know, just do your research because there's, oh, there are a lot of schools. There are a lot of programs, places, programs that you've never heard of probably um, that can get you to the same position as, you know, a big school. Um, a really expensive school. Um, and then also just taking, take everything into account. You know, when you go to these places, make sure that you're watching these people and observing from what you can see yourself doing. Um, because there are some things, you know, that 
might be deal breakers for people. You know, working in the hospital, if you can't handle blood, even though we're not nurses, we're not doing any of that stuff, you will see it. You know, if you can't handle, you know, helping people go to the bathroom, if you're going to be uncomfortable, um, some of it you can work through. I will say, you know, I didn't love all of this stuff before I started out. Um, so there is room to grow. Um, but just be mindful of your own, you know, personal limitations and things. Um, and that you just you have to care and you have to you have to care about the people that maybe don't even care themselves or they don't they don't know how to help themselves because there are those people too, you know. I love when I go somewhere and the family is super involved and the patient is involved and they want to, you know, do everything and it's all going well. But in the same breath, it's just as rewarding to go to a place where somebody, they don't really want your help. They're not really interested. They've done all these services before. Um, And to show them something new, show them something different um, and maybe get a result, maybe just, get a smile out of them, just show up every week and keep going. Um, because you'll have those people that show up on your caseload. Um, it's not all people that signed up and want to do this. So, um, just keeping that in mind, you have to really kind of be a people person, learn how to get in well with people, make good impressions. Um, you don't have to be an extrovert. I'm, you know, I'm definitely an introvert. Um, but when it comes to these families, I find ways to get in there, um, to learn about them, to gain their trust. Um, so you have to be willing to do that and push, um, and know when to push, know when not to push. Um, so that's a lot to say that I, the, the biggest one though is caring because if you care about what you're doing and you're passionate about it, you'll do all of these other things easily, um, so that's the biggest one. Okay. We get ready to wrap it up. My last question, and this is um, a question that I'll be asking everybody every week this, this month. If there was one thing, although there are a plethora of things that people could be aware of, what is the one thing that you feel like everybody should be aware of when it comes to ASD? Uh, I think the biggest thing that I try to tell everyone is to just remember that everybody that you work with is a person just like you um, and that their needs are just like ours. A lot of their desires are just like ours. Even if they don't say, you know, I need connection or I need this, they do, you know, they need connection. There's so many misconceptions with autism um, and a plenty of disabilities that, you know, they, they can't make personal connections, they can't show love, and they can't show affection. And it's just not true. Um, It's shown in different ways. Um, It's shown in different, you know, I teach kids, I don't teach kids how to talk, of course, because that I leave that to my speech therapist. Um, But I teach them ways to functionally communicate, whether it's a high five, a fist bump, Um, So just being open to understanding these kids, you know, outside of the box um, and just really not don't limit them, you know, to what you can see, um, because, you know, just go in with an open mind and thinking that, you know, this kid is smart. They know 
probably way more than I'm giving them credit for. How can I get it out of them? Um, That's what I go in with. You know, I don't just say, oh, well, you know, they didn't read this word. That means they probably can't read. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, they probably can. Or if they can't, let's figure out how to get them to. How to get them to. Yes. 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 Well, thank you, Kayla, so much. Thank you for your contribution to the community. Um, if anybody comes across Kayla, I just I just want you to know firsthand as um, someone that she works with, um, works for, she is definitely a treat. You'll definitely see some type of results. And um, I just I just like it when she comes back and then King does something new and she's you know excited. And I because I feel like that's that's more your reward than any thank you I could give you or anything like that. So I appreciate you taking out the time to um, come and do this interview with me. I just want everybody to see every aspect of autism because a lot of times people just you know it's all on the parents, all on the parents, and we do do a lot, but there are people who are put in place. Um, in our that who are placed in our lives to help us get that stuff done. This has been another epic episode of Locked and Loaded. Um, everybody, put your hearts in the comments for Kayla. Let's show Kayla some love. And um, next week we'll have another guest. We'll be here spreading more autism awareness. I am your auntie Kitty. It has been another epic epic episode of Locked and Loaded. I love you all. I want you to love yourselves. I'll see you guys next Tuesday. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>